0: I'm Mike Gorman, and you're listening to the Celtics Pod Podcast for Celtics Blog. Here's your host, Adam Taylor. What's good, everybody? Happy Monday. A little bit of news we want to get through. We've got some cool ideas to keep you guys entertained for the next 45 minutes, as usual. I'm joined by Mr.
1: Brendan Nunes that's found some consistent re- consistency recently. What's good, Brendan? What's going on? Adam, glad to be on here, man. Like you said, consistently. And uh season's gonna be starting up, so we're gonna keep this going. Yeah, it's coming soon. Um
0: 16 days of time of recording, 15 days by the time you by the time you guys are listening Ooh. to this. It's coming very, very, very fast. And for one, I'm ready for it. It feels like despite it being a short off
1: season, it feels like
0: forever, dude.
1: It does. I think you and I are ready for it. I think a lot of the fans, listeners are ready for it. I think the rookies would appreciate a little bit more training time um, and some of the new signings as well, who just finally spoke to media, right? I think you, correct me if I'm wrong, we were maybe going to kind of touch on the Tristan Thompson, Peyton Pritchard talks. So you
0: are correct. Uh, I feel like Tristan Thompson's going to endear himself to Celtics fans very quickly. I know that a few people dug out a tweet from back in like 2010 where Christian Thompson referred to the team as my Celtics, alluding to the fact that maybe he is indeed a Celtics fan. I also like the way he was blowing up the young core, talking about Jalen, Jason and Marcus and how talented they are as a reason why he wanted to come into the Celtics in the first place. And then Peyton Pritchard saying, you know, if his number's called, he's going to be ready and willing to do whatever it mean, whatever it takes, whatever it would mean doing to help the team win. I'm high on both of these guys. Of course, I'm high in Lee Smith too. I know Brendan's a little bit lower on Pritchard, but after that presser, dude, I feel like um he's got the right mentality coming into the season.
1: Yeah, well, I was a little lower on Pritchard for sure. Um, I don't even think I had him as a top 60 guy actually when I when I ranked the draft this year. I trust Danny. You know, I mean he he's had some misses for sure, but I think that he's good at identifying guys that will fit the Celtics culture and you know cultures a team a thing that probably five different teams in the league actually can say that they have a established culture that the players kind of work around and uh, I I trust that Danny's going to get those type of players and Pritchard Thompson Teague Neesmith all seem to kind of fit that right yeah to me they do definitely in terms of
0: their grit their ability to kind of dig in and do the hard miles especially Pritchard and Thompson I'm still Curious on how Neesmith's going to perform when you know they have a bad start and they're down ten, down fifteen. I don't think that he's shown that in college as much as what Pritchard has over four years and fighting his way into the league. And we all know what Tristan Thompson is going to bring in terms of that
1: mental fortitude and leadership. Yeah, and the Tristan Thompson entry interview—I guess you would call it—his first interview, uh, talking about training camp and just being a member of the Celtics. I was surprised, you know, John Corrales really pointed this out on on the Locked On podcast that, like, he's just so well-spoken and he actually gives you legitimate answers. Um, You know, he was talking about how Gordon Hayward, for example, is kind of this cliche machine, which is totally fine. You know, it's just what these players are, how they're kind of trained to deal with the media. But Thompson gives you legitimate, real answers that are insightful. And I think Celtics fans are really going to appreciate that. And he seems like an extremely intelligent guy. Um, yeah, going to come in and play a role that I think the Celtics have kind of had a little bit of a hole at for a little while. And, you know, I I think that he, like we've touched on before, could end up as a starting center for this team down the line. And yeah, great additions that, you know, good first impressions for both of them.
0: Yeah, I mean, Thompson came in and the questions he was answering seemed like he was very self-aware. A lot of the answers he gave were well thought out. And when he was asked what he was going to bring to the team, he was very... Aware of the conversations he'd had with Danny and with the coaching staff before signing that contract, and he knows that he's coming in to add that veteran leadership, to add that additional like muscle and grit, and he knows that he's able to bring a championship mentality into that locker room and be able to say, "Hey, this is how we did it when we won with the Cavs, when we went to what was it four straight finals, yeah." You know he's going to be able to say this is how LeBron approaches things. This is how Kyrie approached it when he was playing for a championship roster before he went a little bit wackadoo. Like it's um, he's he can bring different nuances to the, to the locker room that haven't been there for a few years now. So I'm excited about it. I'm not too sure whether we're going to see him start for the first few weeks due to that ham. I think it's a hammy, pulled Hammy. Or a pulled quad. It's definitely a leg injury. He's not going to be around for a little while, but he'll be he'll be there or thereabouts within the first few games, which leads us on talking about games. And we're going to segue because this is exceptional podcasting, podcasting at its finest, as usual. We're going to lead on to the G League news, because apparently there's G League news doesn't happen often, but it's happening today. So here we go. So, as reported by Mr. Keith Smith on CelticsBlog.com, the people whose podcast this is, in case you weren't aware, you know, even though it says Celtics Blog on your Apple feed.
1: <laughs> Get it together. Read yeah. the title.
0: <laughs> Basically, the Celtics will be opting against having the Red Claws in the upcoming G League bubble, which means that they may not play during the entirety of the 2021 season, there was a buy-in for this bubble worth 500000 dollars Whether or not the Celtics have decided that was too much to pay, considering their main guys in Taco Fall and um Tremont Waters, who are on two ways, are going to be with the team for the majority of the year due to the altered two-way rules. I don't know. What this does do though is it brings up a question surrounding the Exhibit 10 acquisition that was made just a few days ago in Emil Jefferson where they picked him up on exhibit 10, looking to bring him into training camp and then find a way to get him into Maine. We're now just going to be no games in Maine. So what's going to happen with Emil Jefferson is anybody's guess.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. Like you said, I think, you know, he'll be around for training camp. And I would guess that, you know, if he really impressed that maybe he could take a Javante Green spot or, or, or something like that. But I mean, it would take a lot of impressing to happen, I think. Um, you know, obviously there's a little bit of a link to being friends with Jason Tatum that, you know, potentially got him a little bit of a foot in the door here. And yeah, I mean, we, we chatted on it a tiny bit before we press record and I'm a little confused by the G league situation. We don't know the details on it yet. Um, so I I don't want to jump to the conclusion that it's because they didn't want to pay. But if we said that that was the reason, do you, are are you understanding of that, or I mean, because to NBA teams, five hundred thousand dollars, I mean, it, it's not like it's a, you know, a sum that it is just kind of like chump change. But I mean, to these teams that have so much available to them, and it's like a player development situation, I really expected most teams to buy into that. So if that is their hesitation, does that are you a little confused or skeptical of that decision? I mean, look, as we spoke about before we came on air, my outlook on it is.
0: All of the guys that you want to send to Maine to develop are the guys that are going to be with you for 50 games. You're not looking to find a diamond in the rough in the G League when you're a contending team. That's for teams like Detroit, New York, Cleveland. You know, they're the ones that want to find these diamond in the rough G League names. And I know it's it's kind of disingenuous to just say the Celtics wouldn't be trying to do that because we don't know that for sure. But for me, any moves they make are going to be really geared towards winning now, not having, not adding another developmental piece. They have enough of those already. Then you look at, okay, so if we did, if if they did operate in the bubble, as you alluded to, before we press record again, and you send some of these guys down to play in that G League bubble, do they have to self quarantine on the way in? What happens then if your if one of your players get hurt up on the main team? And you need to call them back. Is there going to be another quarantine period, which negates the effectiveness of being able to send people back and forth to your G League team as and when you need it. All of those things kind of create a questioning around. Can you hear my dog?
1: I I heard the groan. Yeah. yeah.
0: (laughs) Sorry, guys. Wasn't sure if you were
1: hungry or what was going on here. Uh,
0: That's the dog. I don't know what he's doing.
1: (laughs) Um, Anyway. (laughs) Simba. But yeah, I mean, there's so many details on the G League that we don't know yet. And, you know, like there's this $500,000 buy-in, but how much more does it cost to actually house all the guys down there and all the resources that you're going to have to put into it? Like it's $500,000 to get your foot in the door is the impression I get. But I mean, the expenses are going to be a lot more than that, I'm sure, when you you tally everything up. And there's just so many details that we don't understand yet. It's a little hard to kind of again, I don't want to speculate too much um, on this because we're missing all this key information. And like you said, I mean, it's obviously developmental focused and a lot of that would have to do with the two way guys, or maybe you want to send some rookies down there for a little bit of time. Um, But with a bubble situation, you know, the, the complications of that could just simply be too much. And while I kind of like, Shrug my shoulders at the finances initially because this is an NBA franchise you're talking about. I mean, it's freaking Boston Celtics. Like, their income's down as well because of the COVID situation. So there's there's ways I can understand, but I think we just need a lot more details still that will end up coming out, I would assume, within the next few weeks here on the G League situation.
0: So a point that Keith Smith made in his article that kind of explained this um, from the information he has was – This year, with the injuries already hampering the roster, and I'm quoting this directly, by the way, plus coronavirus concerns, it's unlikely the Celtics would have sent players down to the G League for long periods of time. Well, if you're not utilising that G League affiliate to develop the players on the roster, having a bunch of G League guys doesn't really make sense. And if you can save that money, however small it may seem to us when we're saying, oh, well, you know, it's a multi-billion dollar franchise the way you stay rich is to make smart business decisions and cut costs where they don't need to really be there as an expenditure. I'm not in love with this, but I'm also not looking at this and saying, Oh, this is a terrible move.
1: Yeah. I mean, I definitely would have preferred them to keep it on because I think it goes even further than the players. Um, And and I do think that even the situation Boston's in, I mean, you still are looking for diamonds in the rough, you know, like Jonathan Simmons is obviously a, a player that stands out for that. And, san antonio found him in the middle of a title run you know and he and he comes in and makes a difference so like i think the Celtics could benefit from that and at the same time the only people developing down there are not just players you know there's there's coaches we've talked to uh darren erman on, on this pod who's uh, i think he ended up with a new job right actually yeah so he's crazy? now
0: he's moved from he's left maine and became an assistant coach to tom
1: Thibodeau for new york knicks okay Right. But, you know, there's players, there's, i um, sorry, coaching staffs that you develop that you maybe eventually want to bring up. There's training staffs that you develop. So there's a lot of, you know, growing and early stage people in the organization that I think is beneficial as part of the G League. But pros and cons. And yeah, I mean, for the most part, I, I tend to give the self benefit of the doubt. Yeah, and
0: I understand what you're saying. My outlook on it is it's not like they've killed the Red Claws completely. This is still a, a G League team that will be back in the following year. I, I understand. Right. But how And then you look at how much would the coaching staff there have benefited from being in a tournament-style coaching environment like a bubble. We saw a lot of very good coaches kind of have their stock fall a little bit during the bubble because it's not what they're used to coaching in. It's not a style that they're used to coaching in. It's more of a collegiate style, March Madness type thing. So I don't know how much stuff we'd put into what type of development the rest of the backroom staff would have had anyway from being part of this. But moving on to the meat and potatoes part of the podcast, the part of the podcast that we've been looking forward to, we're going to now, and we're doing this at quite a fast pace because, you know, it's a Monday morning. You guys want to listen to us and then you want to get to your normal daily routines which we thank you for allowing us to be part of or your afternoon routine depends what you're doing. Anyway, I digress. We're going to tier the, and by tier, I mean, here's one tier two, tier three, tier four, the Eastern conference tier one are going to be your champion, your Eastern conference elects tier two are your guys that could quite easily cause an upset. Look at Miami heat from last year. Tier three are going to be your low end playoff teams and very likely, playing tournament contenders and tier four are going to be the guys that won't even get chance to sniff the playing tournament. Brendan, you want to start at the bottom and
1: work up, or you want to start at the top and work oh, down? Well, let's start at the top. Um, Not a drink, no. What was that? I started from <laughs> smooth. That was smooth. No, nah, drinks all right. I have um, that planned from the moment I asked you the question. <laughs> yeah, let's let's start with the top. And first of all, is Boston in tier one?
0: According to Vegas, Boston is going to have the second highest win total in the Eastern right. Conference. The so Vegas, Vegas have got them win, uh, winning 46 and a half games.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, right. Which I-, I tend to think, you know, that's a pretty good number for a shortened 72 game season. Um, it probably equates to somewhere around 50 wins. You know, it was 48 last year. I, I think that regular season wise, it's probably about the same record for Boston this year. Um, win percentage-wise. And yeah, I mean, I have Boston in Tier 1. Um, my, my Tier 1, it's kind of a big tier actually, is Milwaukee, Boston, Miami, Philly, and Brooklyn. Um, and the one team I'm leaving out here that probably got snubbed into Tier 2 um, is Toronto. So my Tier
0: 1 is a lot more um, condensed. I've got Milwaukee, Boston, Brooklyn,
1: Philly. Okay, so you're just missing Miami. Yeah, it's more condensed. Compared to me, yeah. So then, if we're talking Tier 2, or or is there any of those teams in Tier 1 that you kind of want to touch on a little bit? I mean, look,
0: Milwaukee are going to be the favorites to come out of the East. They've got Giannis. And when you have Giannis and you've added shooting around him, along with Drew Holiday, you're going to always be a favorite in the East. I think Bryn Forbes is a low-key great pickup for those guys in terms of floor space and off the bench. Not managing to get a deal done for bo- for bogeys are uh, going to be something that sticks with them through the season. If they failed, then there's going to be questions asked about how the front office went about trying to orchestrate that trade. If they succeed, then everybody's going to forget that ever happened and it'll just be a footnote in history. The Celtics, to me, I feel like I feel like with Hayward leaving, there's going to be a lot more of a defined structure in who gets what touches at what point, and there's going to be a definitive like uh, a hierarchy in terms of offensive load. And I think that's going to do wonders for their ability to see out games and close games down the stretch. Brooklyn are going to be really good or really bad. And I'm just not sure which one it's going to be. And I'm here for the, I'm here for the ride. It's going to be it's going to be an interesting ride. Same as Philly, really good or really bad.
1: Yeah. I kind of have, these are the teams that I, I totally see a journey where they end up winning the East. You know, I think that's kind of how you describe the tier at the beginning. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I think that it's very realistic for every single one of these teams. They also could all be second-round exits. I mean, you know, I mean, I mean, four team, I have five teams in my tier. One of them is going to be a second-round exit, at least.
0: Yeah, I mean, who have you got in your tier two?
1: I only have two teams, actually. I have Toronto, who I don't feel great about having in tier two, but I think that their big-man losses is is really going to hurt them, Um, you know, losing... Uh, Marcus Gasol and Serge Ibaka I, and well, as much as I like Baines you know he's got some health concerns and I just don't think he fills the same hole that's going to be left from Ibaka specifically and I think they overperformed a little bit last year um, I don't feel great about it but I have him in tier 2 and the only other team I have in tier 2 with him actually is Indiana um, who uh, yeah I mean they're closer to tier 3 than tier 1 like um, Toronto's closer to tier 1 compared to it but Indiana is just so weird because you could see them kind of, you know, mini blowing it up and getting rid of one of Sabonis or Turner, or maybe even moving on from Ola Depot and different guys like this. But I feel better about them than I do the teams below them. Um, so I have Toronto and Indiana in my tier two. So my tier two is Miami Heat, Toronto
0: Raptors, Indiana Pacers, and the Shocker, which I haven't just put in here for shock factor, I
1: genuinely believe it, is the Washington Wizards. Okay. Okay, I like Washington, but first let me hear your your Miami reasoning on why the Eastern Conference champs are not Tier 1. Because they're not in a bubble environment now, and I feel like that's going to really change
0: things. There's going to be more travel involved. I don't think they actually got better this year. Um, I feel like a lot of the teams around them either got better or can rely on a lot of internal development. Um, Dragic is aging. Jimmy Butler's aging. You lock down Bam for a long term, Bam's going to improve, no doubt about that. Duncan Robinson, to me, is at his ceiling as just a, a phenomenal three-point shooter but isn't really going to give you much other than floor spacing. Tyler Hero, I just don't know. He, he's the one with growth, internal growth. Yeah, but I just don't know if you're going to see that this year. I'm expecting to see that in year three, which is generally when guys take their biggest jumper anyway. But I just don't think there's enough players on that roster that have room to grow as as in internal growth within the franchise. To kind of level them out with the other teams around them that have got deeper, that have got stronger, that have got more balanced offenses, defenses. Like, it feels like the East got better, and Miami kind of stood pat because their eyes are on the upcoming free agency.
1: Yeah, if I had a tier one and a half, it probably would have had Miami and Toronto. Um, but I ended up putting you know Miami in, in tier one there, just out of you know respect for just having won it. But I see where you're coming from, where you know they're a team that extremely disciplined well trained you know they were kind of built for like a bubble scenario almost
0: yeah and again like i say other teams around them have got um, better they've filled holes within their team that you know miami done a really good job of exploiting uh, boston being a prime example with adding perimeter shooting and a further bit more sorry and a further interior presence so miami to me haven't really improved they're still going to be there or thereabouts But they are a Tier 2 team, in my opinion, as are the Raptors. And then to touch on the Wizards, uh, I think Westbrook makes them a playoff team. Uh, It's as simple as that. If you look at that roster now, you've got a starting lineup of who's it going to be. You're going to have Russell Westbrook, Bradley Beal, Davis Batans at the 3 or the 4. Maybe Um, they start um, uh, Danny Evdia, their pick, right? Yeah, Danny Evdia at 4 or 3, and then Thomas Bryant as a big to yep. me, that's a playoff worthy starting five. Uh, the bench is a bit weak. I don't think, you know, you got, you can lean on Rui Hachimura a little bit. I'm probably missing a name or two here off the top of my head because I don't cover the Wizards. Um, yeah,
1: there's there's like a Troy Brown and... Man, he's a and nice I'm, player, you
0: know, he's a nice piece. So, you know, you've got a, a solid eight man rotation, which is realistically all you need in the playoffs. Maybe go nine deep. Um, So I think that, They're definitely a playoff team. I can't see them getting out of the semifinals, but I could definitely see them winning a a round one matchup.
1: I mean, they have two like all NBA level players, so it's kind of hard to blow that off, right?
0: Yeah, that's why I've got them in tier two. And some people would disagree with me, but that starting five to me is—you know—you don't look at a, a Wizards an upcoming game against the Wizards this season and think we can chalk this up as as a W before the game takes place. Because when Westbrook and Bill go off, they're gonna combine for easily combine for fifty-five to sixty points on most given nights. And then uh, Bertans is one I think kind of the other podcast I do um, for Talk Basket we referred to Bertans as the best score, the best shooter that isn't a superstar.
1: Interesting. Yeah, I'm not too far off from that. And you know, the guys that we forgot are uh, Rui Hachimura. I said Hachimura. Okay, you did. Um, who might even be a starter instead of, eh, I don't know. It's a little weird with, with Bertans there as well. I kind of think Bertans is a four personally, but then they also got Robin Lopez um, who I guess is, you know, an okay vet presence and defense is going to be the issue for this team. So I don't know if Robin Lopez can make a difference there at this stage in his career. Um, But my impression, that's the reason that he was able to get that money from them. So uh, uh, yeah, I think that Washington's a playoff team too, but Okay, so playoff teams, Milwaukee, Boston, Philadelphia, Brooklyn, right? We have, I think we agree on those four. Those are both the same ones we have in tier four. Yeah. I mean, tier one, tier one. sorry. After that, I mean, Miami and Toronto are playoff teams, right? Yeah, no doubt. Right, so that's six. And then this is where it gets questionable, right? Um, and Indiana, like, I mean, they were four last year. Like, I, I feel, it, it feels hard to write them off. But again, there's other teams that have got deeper that have got better
0: around them and they haven't really shown improvement like in terms of acquiring new talent. Or, mm-hmm. You know, and again, they're another team that doesn't really have many players that you're relying on to take that next step.
1: Yeah. And so, that's what
0: I'm looking at now. Like uh, if you didn't get better, do you have someone on your roster that's capable of taking another step that can win you an extra three to five games throughout the season?
1: Yeah, you yeah. you're making me question these tiers a little bit. The teams that I have like really competing for, you know, say that uh you count Indiana in, and to me, that gives five, six, seven teams. So the teams that would be fighting for this eight spot that are my tier three, um, that I think is gonna kind of be the play-in team, is Washington, as you mentioned, Charlotte. I think Charlotte's gonna be really interesting with with Gordon there. Now, obviously is gonna have a little bit of a learning curve, but I'm so, so on bridges, but I think he's a good contributor. I really like PJ Washington. I think they have a solid core there. And I think that Gordon could kind of piece that together. You know, Terry Graham, I think they have scorers. They're going to be able to get the ball in the basket. People that can get you a shot. I think they have a really interesting roster. Orlando eight seed every single year. You know, they have a good enough defense that it's like, well, they have a top 10 defense pretty much every year. It feels like, and that alone kind of puts you in that conversation they've been there every year and then the other one's atlanta atlanta got really deep i think they're gonna have a really interesting offense um and they have some more versatility in their lineup and creation with adding gallinari and bogdanovich um after the whole milwaukee situation as well so those are the teams for me that i have kind of fighting for this eight spot in my tier three i have washington charlotte orlando atlanta okay so
0: in tier three i have atlanta orlando chicago and charlotte
1: Okay, so I cheated a little bit because we said four tiers, but I do have a three and a half of Chicago by itself. No, you can't do that. You're either putting them in <sighs> three or four. I just don't. It's probably three. Okay, it it so would be he, three.
0: Here's my outlook on Atlanta. They're a team that are either going to do really well or they're going to implode. Um, I felt, I was really impressed with the way Atlanta had a blueprint um, for the last few seasons, and they stuck to it in terms of drafting, shooting from everywhere, they were looking to really embrace that positionless basketball. And then they go ahead after drafting some really high, high ceiling guys, guys like Hunter, guys like Cam Reddish. You've got um, Huerta, you've got Young. You've got all these great young pieces in your core. And then you go and add two more guards to that rotation in Chris Dunn and Rajon Rondo. Then you go and add Galinari. Then you go and add Bogdanovich. I don't understand how they're going to allow their young guys. To continue their development, while being able to feed some of these guys in terms of Bogey, in terms of um Gallinari, w- you know, you've got Trey Young, you've got Huerta. So where does Kriston and Rajan Rondo fit in this? Where's Cam right, there's Redis-
1: yeah Onyeka and Clint Capella is super yeah. repetitive.
0: Where does Reddish's minutes come from? Where does the Andre Hunter's minutes coming from? How are you? There was enough already in that Atlanta rotation that if you could have just added defense you know just add chris dunn just add anyakara Okongwu, and then go and find a wing defender like a secondary yeah. second wing defender then that would have been better for me than adding so many pieces that to me you done because you had cap space and you didn't really know how to toe the line and wait for that internal development to to take place so they're either going to be really good or they're going to be an absolute train wreck. And I'm kind of hedging towards the latter. And I think they'll make the playing tournament for sure. But I think they're going to be one of the teams that everybody expects to make quite a decent run. And they're very disappointing. And I could see them quite feasibly not making the playoffs after the playing tournament.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's interesting. I Zach Lowe talked about them a lot recently on his most recent episodes of the low post and, you know, I, I forget if it was him that threw it out there or one of his guests, but like, if Atlanta just would have signed one of Bogey or Gallo, I probably would feel better. I think that they're in a good spot, you know, and I don't mind the moves they made, but I have the same uh, skepticisms that you do. Of you know, is this going to stunt the long-term growth of of Reddish Hunter Herder specifically? Which Herder is kind of whatever to me. I think Bogey is just a better Herder, um, and yeah, I mean, but I do see a path where this. Experience of them actually being able to win games and play in meaningful games is helpful to them down the line. Um, And if they're good enough, you know, I think the idea is that they will end up in the rotation like they they will end up being even starters over some of these guys. I think that Gallo's supposed to be coming in and coming off the bench with this call-in situation, which that extension is still kind of up in the air. So it's probably not the way I would have gone about sign it. And
0: tra- sign and trade to the
1: Celtics for the TPE for John. Yes, please. I'm not a big John Collins guy. Then you're blind. He's got some offense. He's an all right bench scorer, you know? You're blind. He would be perfect for the Celtics at the four. Yeah, he's OK. He's OK. I like yeah, I'm not saying he's
0: I'm not saying. Yeah, I know you like defenders and I understand that. I'm not saying that he was like the be all and end all. But if Bas, like, I, I very, very, very much would like him on the Celtics next to Christian Thompson.
1: Yeah, he he's going to be interesting if they end up coming up with an extension or if they let him go into restricted free agency. And I don't even know what teams would be super interested in him. Um, he's going to be an interesting situation, but I have Atlanta in this tier as well. And I'm with you where I think their range is probably wider than most teams.
0: Yeah, I've got the Bulls in there simply because they've made an amazing upgrade with Donovan in terms of coaching. Um, fair enough. I feel like he's going to be able to get a lot more out of that young core than what um, Jim Boylan was able to, because I don't think Jim Boylan could win a championship with the not the uh, 90s Bulls team. I, I
1: read something uh, last night, actually, that, you know, the, the Bulls were the only team in the NBA that blitzed more than they dropped. and Really? Yeah. And they they blitzed so much more than opposing teams. I knew that they forced a lot of turnovers, but I wasn't aware that it was because they were blitzing like so often. Um, And yeah, already, you know, coming out from I believe the quote was from Daniel Gafford backup center um, that yeah, I mean, Donovan's come in and and really preached a lot of drop defense and it, it led to them, you know, what was a poor half court offense having some creation ability on the offensive end like Chris Dunn's a player that really thrives in that sort of environment. Um, but yeah, it's definitely going to be a big coaching change for them.
0: Yeah, I mean, like I say, I don't believe Boylan could have won a championship with Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen on that roster, never mind the, the players he had. So um, yeah, I feel like that puts the balls in the tier three. Tier four, now these are the teams I don't expect to make the playing tournament. These are teams that are going to have very early end to the season. I'm not saying they're terrible. I think that one of them in particular has a lot of positives going for them at the moment in terms of, players that can grow internally um, available cap space and what looks like an intelligently constructed front office at this point for the first time in probably 152 years that's new york um detroit i don't know what the hell they were doing in free agency but they are the tallest team in the history of the world (laughs) Uh, (laughs) and in the Cavs, that just didn't do anything they were bad last year they're going to be bad again this year I'm assuming they're just waiting out that Kevin Love contract at this point or hoping somebody is stupid enough to make an offer to take him off their hands. So you have those three in your tier four? Yeah, they're the teams that I would be very, very shocked if we even saw them in the playing tournament.
1: Yeah, I I have them the same tier four, actually. And I didn't feel like Chicago belonged in that tier. And that's why I kind of cheated initially. Um, I don't feel like they belong in tier three either. But they definitely don't belong in this tier four i think yeah, there i a think tier really donovan's
0: good enough to like you know you're going to see a bit of a resurgence from um wendell carter you're going to see a resurgence from kobe yeah. white I, i'm high on kobe White. i think kobe white's got quite a lot of talent and if you give him the right coach he's going to be a very viable guard uh you got larry markinen oh, it's poor zingas light and poor is already very light because he's always hurt um you know th- They've got talent there, so they're definitely more of a tier three than a tier four. If you look at the teams we've just mentioned—Detroit, New York, Cleveland—there's a dearth of talent on those teams. New York actually have some intriguing pieces in RJ and um, Obi Toppin. And I mean, right. do we still class Kevin Knox as intriguing, or do we just no, say that Kevin Knox? I don't. Is... <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> uh, Mitch Robinson again. Detroit—they um, lost Luke Kennard, which I thought was one of their best players. They didn't even get Shamit back because Shamit ends up going to Brooklyn. They get, they get a pick. I think they took
1: Sadiq Bay. That was it. Sadiq
0: Bay, which is a yeah. downgrade, you know, as far as I'm concerned. Sadiq Bey is good as he is, He's a downgrade
1: from Luke Kennard. But Blake Griffin could be back, you know, and sure, you'd have, I mean, a crazy amount of big men, but like, I think the roster could be okay, you know, like. Blake Griffin would
0: be playing point guard.
1: Right. They'd yeah. gone mun- straight, monsters, did. Um, yeah, I think they're at the very beginning of a rebuild, and and you ready for my hot take here? I, I just formulated one while while you were talking here. Hot take, saw Let's do it. And I think that this means that like if I had another tier, if I had this tier three and a half, that Cleveland would have to be up here too. Cleveland finishes with a better record than Chicago this year. That's what I That's The spiciest it. take I've heard all week. I think I. There's I so picked... less, There's so little
0: talent on that Cavs team, though, dude. I don't. You've got Darius Garland. You've got. Colin Sexton. Yes. But but where are you going from there, dude? Okay, you've got a decent guard tandem that are a sieve on defense. It's like playing with, it's like putting a piece of Swiss cheese and saying, guard. People are just going to walk through the holes, dude.
1: it's a very bad analogy. I think their offense, you're fine. (laughs) I think the offense can be serious, though. Like I picked Garland to be my rookie of the year last year, which looks stupid now. I mean, I will never pick a point guard to win that award again. Um, I mean, but, I just think that you should choose better guards to win that award. <laughs> To be fair, John Moran just won, right? Exactly. Um, but I, I think that Garland is a good player. I, I think that Sexton, that, that is is a very serious offensive backcourt. Like you're saying, the defense is a real issue, but I really like Isaac Okoro. Coming from the guy my... that just said to
0: me I like defensive players.
1: I know. This is where I'm getting to Okoro. Okoro is my draft crush. I think he's the best defender in the draft. I think that he makes an okay difference for them. And, you know, if you roll out a lineup of him... And Larry Nance, like your, your defense is okay, I guess. It's still not great. But like, I think that there's intriguing pieces here. You also look at Kevin Porter Jr., who has an interesting legal situation going on. Um, but he he's a super promising player. I think that Kevin Love can make a, a good offense still if he can stay healthy and Andre Drummond can get you offensive boards. Like, I think there's a a chance that that Cleveland surprises people this year. I thought that they maybe could do it last year, actually. Um and and surprise people doesn't mean make playoffs. Like I'm saying, I just think that you know maybe they're they're gonna be more respectable than what we think. Right. They're the fourth team in the east, the fourth worst rather than the very bottom, you know.
0: I've got them as second worst. Um I've got Detroit as being the worst team in the east, which yeah also fits because it's probably the worst city in the east, as
1: from (laughs) what I hear. I've never been,
0: so you know this is just what people say to me during passing, you know, yeah, we'll move on um yeah I've got <laughs> <laughs> that pretty much wraps us up right i mean i don't know what else we're going to talk about at this point we've tiered the teams i've got boston as finishing second or third in the east personally so um, milwaukee's one yeah right. I mean, i've got um i still They're, look. I, I wouldn't be shocked
1: if boston finished second but i also wouldn't be shocked if they finished fourth or fifth yeah. i mean who are you what, like philly brooklyn yeah
0: And then um, Honestly I wouldn't be shocked If Miami finished above them Because they're just So well coached
1: Even Toronto Like I feel the more I think about it The more I feel bad About Toronto In tier 2 But like I don't know I thought that they would Take a step down last year and I, I lost a lot, lot of for but... Nick Nurse During that Toronto
0: Boston uh, Just how uh, Just how animated Yeah he, he was a little, He was a little much Yeah um, like, I, I like. It just I got this I get this feeling In my stomach Whenever I think about How he acted And You, know, you want to
1: do you want to kind of do our take on the over-under for Boston? Okay, out? yeah.
0: So Boston, Vegas has them at 46.5
1: wins for the year. It's 46? 46.5. Oh, wow. Okay. So I'm going to take the... In a 72-game season. Mm-hmm.
0: I'm going to take the under. So am I. I think that's quite high. There's a very big glaring hole at the four spot at the moment that I'm very intrigued to see how Boston look to plug that hole and what the rotations are going to look like to keep them quite at least passable with big man defense and you know defending wings coming in off that four position um, unless they address that I can see them sitting more around the 42 to 44 win area it's not a big drop but you know it's big enough that if I put my money on the under I'd be quite happy if they had 42 because it means I made that choice and I won it quite easily uh, I'd be shocked if they, if they, if they covered
1: a spread. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I would go under if I, if I was betting on it and it's really just by a couple games. Um, I mean what that, that has them close to a 50 win team and they didn't reach that last year, like 82 game season. Um, yeah, it's just a little much for me. Um and there's a reason that Vegas does this and makes money off of it. They're they're very good at what they do. I mean, this is probably about my win prediction for Boston. Um, but I'd feel more comfortable taking the under and betting they end up about two games less than that. Um yeah. Regular season, I mean, they have some rotation things to figure out, but I think there's a lot of continuity with this team that's going to be really helpful for them, especially compared to some of the other rosters in the league.
0: Yeah, and um, there's a
1: hierarchy now, dude. There's
0: a defined like I've, we've been speaking about this for a while now. There's a defined like you know you know who's bought when the ball needs to be in Kemba's hands. You know when the ball needs to be in JT's hands. There's no more egalitarian offense because that was mainly to pander to Hayward's skills and skill set of being. Well, when you to- have
1: four of them. You know what I mean? Yeah, you
0: have to be egalitarian. Now you've got three of them. Now you've just, you can very much be like, right, we're going to play off the pick and roll. We're going to go high pick and roll with some cuts and then a couple of pin downs. We're going to get one of these other two guys in JT. Well, you know, one of the other two that isn't on ball and we're going to get them free to make some magic happen. Brendan's picking up his puppy, which means we're heading to the end of the episode. The puppy's named Molly. She's super cute. She's grown loads. She's almost as big as Brendan at this point because Brendan's little. How tall are you?
1: How tall am I? I'm uh, close enough to six foot that I say six foot.
0: Oh, that's cute. Um, <laughs> I'm six three. So uh,
1: I didn't ask. I didn't ask. Uh, yeah, I know. Cause you were, <laughs>
0: <dude>. <laughs> guys, you've been listening to the Celtics Pod podcast. We'll be back on Wednesday. Um, we're scratching around for things to talk about as much as you. So if there's anything you want us to talk about, anything that you'd be intrigued to hear our takes on, then tweet at us, DM us, Just give us ideas, what you want to hear, and we'll be happy to put that into play. Make sure to leave that five-star written review. Nice things only
1: if you ain't got nothing nice to say. Don't say it at all. And read Adam's work on Celtics blog. You put a crazy amount of work in. You don't promote yourself enough. Yeah, I never do. I, I I kind of just let the world speak for itself. No, yeah, everybody go check it out, dude. You you put a crazy amount of work in. You're putting out articles left and right. So everybody check out Celtics blog, Adam's work, and every, all the other great writers on there as well. Yeah, everybody on
0: there knows their stuff, and they're all really super talented. So uh, make sure you check that out. And we'll be back on Wednesday when we will speak about, hopefully, something that you asked us to speak about. Otherwise, um, we're going to get creative again, and you might get some more league-wide stuff. Until later, we will... Yeah, bye. Bye-bye.